Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to an awesome episode of Geek Vibes Live Review. Um, it's been a while since we've done one of these review shows. I believe the last one that we did was the second season of Netflix's You. And we're back with another Netflix original, and that is Narcos Mexico Season 2. Um, I am super, super excited to break down the second season of Narcos Mexico. I absolutely loved this season. I loved franchise and yeah so I'm really excited to break it down and especially to do so with the very man that I pretty much forced to watch the second season just so that I'd have someone to do this review with but uh, let me please introduce you to our El Presidente Juan how are you tonight I am good and no Tia didn't force me Tia I mean, it, it, it's a great show. I watch, uh, you know, the Narcos, um, and Tia was talking about how good Narcos Mexico season one was. Um, so, you know, when you told me no one else really is watching, and I'm like, I got you, Tia. You know, it wasn't that high on my list to get to, but I'm like, I, I won't mind speeding it up a little bit, getting right into it, and I'm glad I did because as, as, uh, as soon as I started it, I couldn't stop. So I'm like, it all worked out. And I thank you so much for that. I didn't mean force like, oh, it uh, was a bad show and I forced you. But I know that you have so many, uh, as do I, so many shows on my list. Anytime someone's like, you've got to watch this. And I'm like, all right, well, that needs to get behind the 10 other shows that everyone keeps telling me that I need to watch. <laughs> but... Um, I was a huge fan of the original Narcos series, uh, the first three seasons. And you and I spoke about this a little kind of in pre-show that I'll admit that the first season of Narcos Mexico say doesn't rank the highest for me with the whole franchise. Um, I still kind of give that to the first two seasons of the original Narcos. Um, even though I will say that Narcos Mexico season two ranks pretty high as well now, but let's just kind of 
start right off, um, what were your initial thoughts going into season two, um, especially because, say, season one maybe wasn't as great as as the previous Narcos seasons? Uh, I mean, they definitely weren't, but, I mean, it, 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 it's always good to temper your expectations. Uh, it, it just, it, it, it's soothing. It's the best way to make sure that, like, you don't set these insane, uh, you know, expectations that logically it just probably can't meet. So, I mean, my mindset was just, you know, now that you've established a story, that's why, you know, when I go into movies that I know are going to be trilogies, I always go into the first movie like, this is a story builder. This is where you build the story. This is where you kind of bring us in. Second movie should be all out action, uh, you know, not action in the sense of like fighting. So it's just like all out. And then the third one kind of just wraps everything up. So first season to me was very much a journey. It was a slow, grinded out story. Um, and then the payoff was this season. This season was more of your grit. It was more of your right into the action, right into the heart of it. Um, so my expectations pretty much were just, um, you know, I was along for that long ass ride. Now that I've gotten <laughs> to my destination, make that ride worth it. And this season did that times two. Uh, it was so freaking good. Um, and, and like I said before, I'm really glad that I uh, that I started it. Yeah, I have to agree 100. Uh, percent Season one established a lot. We're in a different country now than the previous Narcos. There's all these different players and a story that probably not everyone knows. Like, even if you don't know everything, you kind of knew who Pablo Escobar was. So going into the first two seasons of the original Narcos, you kind of have, like, an idea of what you're getting. But I don't think really anyone who, say, a casual viewer knew who the hell Felix Gallardo was or any of those people except for maybe El Chapo because that's very much in our news today. Season one set that all up and as you said I was in that very long ride wanting the payoff and season two for me paid off tremendously because we at this point we're at one singular uh journey here. There's one thing that is a constant, and that is get um, get justice for Kiki, who was a character in the first season, who in real life was uh, captured, tortured, and killed. So season two is all about the revenge mission against the people who were responsible for that. And I loved it. I thought that it was great from beginning to end, but I know that you kind of mentioned this just before, but what were your, before we go any further, and I guess I should say, spoiler alert for everyone out there, but what were your general thoughts and feelings for season two? Um, That it was, like I said, it was just a really great story. I mean, excuse me. Um, To me, my, my, my issue kind of with season one was uh, I'm not the biggest fan of, um, oh, God, what's his name? Why can't I think of his name now? Uh, played Luis in, in Ant-Man. Uh, oh, Michael Pena. Yes, Michael Pena. Um, 
I'm not the biggest fan of his acting. Like I, I think the best acting he's done in his career is End of Watch. Um, but I'm also biased because I don't think I've seen that many Michael Pena movies. Um, he's been in like everything say, practically. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, you think about it. It's like his name is probably attached to a lot of stuff. I've just never really been blown away by Michael Pena. Um, well, until End of Watch. I thought End of Watch also should have been an Oscar-dominated movie. But anyway, um, this season definitely kind of drives you into it. Like, it it invests you in a way that you haven't really been invested since the original Narcos uh, season. Even that, I thought season two of the original Narcos season was weaker than season one was. I thought season one was just so breathtaking. And then I got to season two, and I'm kind of like, eh, eh. Because to me, these these missions, what makes them so uh, strong is its supporting cast. So you got uh, – Joel actually brought this up when we were talking about Narcos Mexico uh, last night. This is very much a villain's verse, um, like mm-hmm. how we know the MCU to be a hero verse. This is very much a villain's verse. Um, it's pretty much the who's who of drug lords. Um, and it's just so much fun seeing the teams be assembled to try to take these guys down um, and how they're able to flirt with, you know, the realism of everything. They give you the disclaimer at the beginning. We Hollywooded some things up, but a lot of this is historically accurate. Um, one thing I Joel that we both couldn't stop laughing about is how pretty they keep trying to make these actors look compared to how they actually look. Yes. Um, how the actually drug lords look like. You look at Diego Luna, and you're like, that's a beautiful man. And then they show and you what the guy the actually looks like. You're like, oh, oh, that guy should be very, very excited <laughs> that they got Diego Luna to play him. Um, you know, it, it's not often you get a beautiful uh, doppelganger. Uh, or a beautiful actor to to play you. Um, usually they try to go historically accurate so they get someone that looks exactly like you. Um, Diego Luna looks nothing like that guy. Like, so much so, it, it was almost hard for me once they showed what he looked like for me to believe that Diego Luna was playing that guy. Like, no, 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 no. He couldn't have been him. Like, who is he really playing? Like, that, that guy is horrible looking. Um, but, no, yeah. it, it, was a fun, it was a fun season. Scoop McNary needs more. Um, I don't want to see him in another comedy. I don't want to see him in another um, low-budgeted. I want to see Scoop McNary become the star that Scoop McNary should have always been. Um, This guy can act circles. Um, And he legit was the lifeblood of this season. And um, very much so was what carried me from beginning all the way to end. Um, I love Scoop McNary. And last thing to you, I'm going to pass it right back to you. One thing these narco shows have been able to show us from the beginning all the way to now is how corrupt not only the, um, you know, the Mexican government or the Colombian or whatever uh, government is, how corrupt our government is in uh, how at every turn our government tells these guys who are risking their lives, eh, no one will ever really know. <laughs> it's like, what? What do you mean no one will know? I want people to know that I almost died trying to, uh, you know, fight for Kiki or I almost died trying to fight for, um, you know, getting drugs off of our streets. And our government's kind of just like, 
not only are we not going to acknowledge that you existed, we're not even going to acknowledge that this even happened. So everyone who died, they died for nothing. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's so painful because at the end of the day, that's the underline. Like, that's the underline. Like, some of this was for nothing. Like, you know, so it, it, it just, it sucks seeing how accurate our government is portrayed. Yeah, and I'll touch upon that in a second, as well as Gary's performance, because you are 100% correct. I believe there was even a art, article or interview with Scoot that he was saying this is a commentator on how pretty much you constantly have these guys who go down and they feel like they're making a difference, they're risking everything, and really, in reality, it has done nothing except for perpetuate the drug war, continue on with the deaths and corruption and things that are still happening to this day. But I wanted to kind of backtrack a little and comment just because I thought it was so funny and I'm so happy you brought it up because it is something that my boyfriend, Paulie, and I talk about all the time when we watch Narcos and Narcos Mexico is how pretty all of the actors are compared to their real-life doppelgangers. I mean, uh, the, the guy who played Rafa, you know, with his, you know, very, uh, you know, handsome uh, looks, looks nothing like the real guy. And, you know, as you said, freaking, or even the, um, the Tijuanan uh, cartels, you know, the, the Arvino, and I'm sorry, everyone, please, please forgive my pronunciation because I am, awful, but um, Ramon and freaking, oh my God, who is the brother in that group? Anyway, uh, they all look like 10 times better than the real people, and it's hilarious to me, but I guess they didn't want to necessarily get people who looked historically accurate because they probably thought that people wouldn't be as invested. We, as a society, are very superficial, and we want to see beautiful people, even if they are corrupt drug lords. But um, what you said about Michael Pena is exactly why I would say probably Narcos Mexico Season 1 doesn't rank as high for me. And I like Michael Pena, um, and I feel like I've seen a lot with him in it, but I just don't think, unfortunately, he was as strong as a lead in his own season. Um, because obviously, the season was his season. And you can even argue that the second season was his season, even though he wasn't on screen, but his death motivated everything that happened in season two. But in Narcos, uh, Mex not Narcos Mexico, sorry, the first two Narcos, it's narrated by Boyd Holbrook, and it's starring Boyd Holbrook and Pedro Pascal. Now, both Boyd Holbrook and Pedro Pascal are playing real-life people, real-life DEA agent Steve Murphy, real-life DEA agent Javier Pena. And then the third season of Narcos is narrated by Pedro Pascal and focusing on him. The first season of Narcos Mexico did star Michael Pena, but was narrated what, who we found out was Scoot McNary's character. Now, Scoot McNary's character is now at the forefront of season two, and he is playing 
DEA agent Walt Breslin. And what's interesting about this that I'm getting to is that Walt Breslin never existed. There's, there was never a person in real life called Walt Breslin. What he is is a composite character that they made up because they spoke to a lot of agents who were involved in opera, Operation Leenda, which is the operation to seek revenge against Kiki's killers. Um, and for whatever reason, either they couldn't, say, pinpoint one person exactly, they didn't want to maybe use identities or anything, they decided to go with a new character. And it gave them a lot of freedom to really build on this character and what drove him and why he really was so invested. So for me, um, and as you just said, Scoot McGarry is an excellent actor, and I don't want to see him in any more comedies. I'm tired of him in these little, like, indie movies. He needs to start getting the recognition that he deserves. And I really loved his character's journey because what we saw in the first few episodes, his character was very much just driven by one thing and in a way was probably a little one-dimensional. And then about, I want to say, episode four, we find out more about Walt. We find out what happened with his brother. We find out the type of person that he is, um, you know, that he is the type of guy that if he says he's going to do something, he does it. So what were your overall thoughts on Walt Breslin for Narcos Mexico season two? Um it's you know how much because i i don't know how many more times i can say you know how much i love scoot mcnary um (laughs) i'll just echo what i said before i mean walt made the entire season um he made it enjoyable um he made it emotional he made it compelling um i don't don't like to say action-packed because i don't want someone to hear this and think this is John Wick meets, like, Narcos. Like, no, but, um, you know, action-packed in the sense of what you'd expect a show about taking down drug dealers uh, to be. So as action-packed as you would expect it to be is is exactly what it was. And, you know, I I loved every second of it. Um, I mean, there were moments where I was like, damn, like, I know this is about uh, Felix, but show Scoop more. <laughs> like, well, show Walt a little bit more. Like, <laughs> good. Well, I was just going to say, um, it's funny you say action packed because previously to the season coming out, all of the descriptions of Walt were he's a bare knuckles uh, detective who's kind of worn out from his life and he is willing to do whatever he doesn't play by the rules and we certainly saw that say in like the first two first few episodes i mean he literally cut off that one dude's finger i want to say he probably cut off two of the guy's fingers but then and so that's what i was expecting but then they added like all these different layers to his character I'll tell you right now, I know I'm probably skipping ahead a little, but that scene with Walt up on the rooftop talking to Pablo Acosta was such a window of, like, Walt's character, and it was so well done. And I wasn't expecting that. 
I was expecting to see him like completely disgusted with every single one of the drug lords, but there he is in this one scene having like the most down to earth, just honest and normal conversation with a guy who is a drug lord, even though he despises Felix and has like one foot out the door, he's still in that life. And there's Walt just kind of like really respecting him. Yeah, I mean, it it was it was one of those things where it was like this isn't uh, a show where it's kind of just like, all right, it's as simple as we're gonna focus on, um, you know, Walt and these guys are here to get revenge for Kiki's murder. Like, no, it it goes in depth. It shows you exactly how hard things are for Walt in his life. Like all you know, all the way around. Um, it's not as simple as like, oh, he's just here. Like you know. They're here to get a job done, and he's going to go back home. Like, no, I mean, we saw, um, I believe it was his sister-in-law. We saw how difficult mm-hmm. it was for him to, to kind of work through that. Um, trying to become a better uncle, obviously. Um, didn't think he was doing good, a good enough job as an uncle. Um, so he wanted to become more invested. But it's like, it, it's not really that easy, um, you know, for, for her, for, you know, for you to just pop back in. I mean, because every time you're there, I think she even said this, every time you're there, she just sees him. Like, she doesn't want to see him anymore. Like, that's that's a part of life she's trying to move on from. Um, and Walt yeah, said it. Like, it's, I not, that. it's not that easy for me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, I got that vibe from her that she kind of was like, please leave me alone, Walt. You're you're coming around a little too often and you may have all this tremendous guilt, but like that was my husband and I knew he was a drug addict and I'm trying to kind of raise my son and move on. And you just keep popping up and making it seem as if I need to constantly be here in mourning or something like that. Yeah. I I think the problem was, I think obviously he was a bit estranged a little bit, um, he he was so kind of engulfed in work. He was kind of missing out on the things that his brother was going through, his sister-in-law, uh, his nephew were going through. Um, so it was one of those things to where it was like reality hit when his brother died uh, or murdered. Was it an overdose or was he murdered? I think he was murdered, wasn't he? It was a drive-by shooting. Right. Um. So I think everything hit him at once. He was feeling like he was failing, not really getting the answers that he needed for Kiki's murder. He was feeling the pressure he was getting from back in D.C. And then, you know, the effect of what just happened to his brother. So I think it all hit him at once. So, I mean, although you can kind of understand from her point of view, mentally she had probably already checked out from his brother probably years ago or months ago or weeks, whatever. Um, so mentally she was just like, I had let go from him a long time ago. So this was more so of, I have to like physically let go of him because he's no longer here. Um, but emotionally I had like, let go a long time ago. So I think for Walt, it was kind of like, he didn't want to hear that from her because all the hurt he was feeling. So it was like, you kind of parading it. Like I had, you know, I, I don't really feel anything like, you know, um, kind of hurt him and he's like I just want to be closer to family um so I want to be here for for you guys and 
you know, um, I very much kind of understood where he was coming from because guilt hits you like that. Um, and, and like I said, I think he was just feeling guilt from he had thought it'd be easier to get to the bottom of what happened to Kiki. I think he thought it'd be easier, um, you know, for him to come and be a part of their lives and she kind of just be okay with it and everything. And the realism of it's hard. <laughs> it's hard on both, both arenas. Um, just really kind of hit him all at once. Um, but for a guy who very easily could have just started unloading his gun in every drug dealer's head, um, he took all that pain and, and hurt and, and put it constructively. Um, sure, could you say that narcos, like all these detectives, do have the same thing in common to where they're willing to risk their team to get the job done because it's, it's become an ego thing for them? Um, sure, 100%. Um, but I really think we have to give credit to Walt for not just going balls to the wall insane and just really going reckless when he could have, because I mean, that's, that's where he was emotionally that he easily could have tapped into that. And he didn't. So I think Walt deserves a lot of credit for not just, um, putting this, this group at risk more than they already were. Yeah. I mean, in reality, he, definitely tried his hardest, um, even to the point where when he did risk the lives of all of his team and most of his team didn't walk away, he pretty much said at some point when he was sitting in front of uh, whatever official he was sitting in front of, do whatever you want to me, but we owe it to these men to respect their wishes. So I just think that that was such an interesting dynamic in the season and it kind of goes into another point that I wanted to make because we see going back to Felix, right? Um, and the mm-hmm. one big difference that I saw with Felix as opposed to say Pablo Escobar, and we can't help but talk about Pablo because he was the one who started off the, uh, the Narcos franchise, even though Pablo, it was a despicable person mm-hmm. and did all these really horrific things. He was, still a family guy, um, still loved his wife and still loved his mother. But we saw with, like, Felix, he would sell – what's that mean where it's like, I will sell you to Satan for one corn chip? I mean, that was Felix, (laughs) literally willing to throw everyone and anyone under the bus. And I thought it was really interesting that the show decided to focus on two uh, drug lord characters – such as Pablo Costa and Don Juan, two characters who are, yes, in the drug trade, but we have Don Juan who has this big family. He's all about family. He's all about um, uh, being loyal. And then Pablo Costa is all about honor, and I'm a bandit. I'm not a crook, and he has no honor, Felix. So, I mean, I guess what I would ask is how did you feel about Felix in season two and he had to have he got what was coming to him essentially yeah I think with Felix I I think one thing that this show has done a great job highlighting is that none of these guys were properly taught how to not only claim power but how to manifest it how to maintain it um, the drug game apparently is very much ego driven. 
Um, I mean, there were countless times where Felix could have put his ego aside. Uh, I mean, it's something as simple as his last act, uh, instructing uh, his guy to kill that guy's um, wife and kids. That's just a move you just, you have to know you can't make. You know, like there's lines that once you cross, there is never a way to come back from that. So once he did that, it was like, you have to know they're not going to like fuck with you anymore. Like that's done. They won't respect you. Um, Cause it's just a line you don't cross. I mean, Tia, how many mafia movies have we seen where they're like women and kids are off the table. You don't mess with women or kids. Um, yeah, and he didn't get that, that message apparently. <laughs> no, apparently not. You know, like to me, I've never been in, in the drug game or, or, or any of this. I mean, just not watching. Movies, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I have. No, but, you know, from watching, you know, all these mafia movies, you just, you always know, like, women and kids off the table. Like, come on, morally, it's just, like, you don't go there. And then to see how comfortable Narcos is going there, it's like, oh, no, I, I don't think you guys get it. Like, that's, that's where the line is, is crossed. And it's, you know, it, it's warfare now. Um, so, I mean, Felix 100% put himself in the exact situation he ended, he ended up uh, being in, because it was avoidable. It was avoidable. Like when he kept saying, "Release Kiki." That's like if you're going to be that guy, you go, you untie him, you push him out, and you say, "Hey, it's his word against ours." He has to prove, um, you know, that we're doing what we're doing. I don't believe he could do it, you know. And you release Kiki, and you tell everyone, "Hey, you don't like it." So what? I made the decision. I'm sticking with it. And if you did release them, none of this heat would be here. Like, eventually this heat would get to you because, you know, you're not going to be selling drugs in, in the United States and not find out. Um, but it wouldn't have been as severe as it was. I mean, because Felix was battling a battle on two fronts, trying to maintain power and respect and trying to keep damn DEA off of his back. Um, so I think it was one of those things where it's like, did he get what he deserved? Sure, yeah. But this was definitely less of a Pablo situation um, and more of a Felix easily could have shifted the balance of power if he had not let ego just drive him uh, pretty much into a prison cell. Yeah, Felix definitely just – everything was, like, unavoidable. I don't want to say everything, but a lot of things are unavoidable because Kiki's death was something that most of the bosses, the plaza bosses, didn't agree with. And they kept mentioning it um, at the beginning of the season when he sits down with Pacho from the Kali cartel in Colombia, tries to talk mm-hmm. to them about money. Pacho says, well, you know, we're giving you the drugs, but... Apparently, seizures are up by 40%. I wonder why that is. Maybe you shouldn't have killed and tortured a DEA agent, you know? Right. Um, so, so we see that as a theme, and that's one reason why the bosses are not happy with him. Um, they're not happy because they're losing money, which, again, mm-hmm. is, is a result of Kiki's death. So... As you said before, it certainly was a clash of egos because every single time Felix, like, sat down to speak with any of them, it's like you could feel the tension 
in the air. It was just so, like, on the tip of your tongue when it came to that. Um, And especially, I have to talk about this one scene because it literally is one of my favorite scenes in the entire uh, show. Um, And it's when, so we see Felix in the beginning of the season trying to regain power because people are pissed. His plaza bosses are pissed. His plaza bosses are fighting one another. We have the Sinaloan cartel duking it out with the Tijuanan cartel. Um, And he's trying to, and then on top of all this, the Colombians are screwing him over. So we see him at some point trying to regain power. And his uh, thinking is that he's going to bring in uh, Don Juan from the Gulf, who previously was dealing in heroin. He wants to bring him into the cocaine trade. It seems like Don Juan is going to be okay with that. And then they're supposed to all meet each other in Panama to pretty much tell Pacho from the Cali cartel that, hey, we're in charge, we're calling the shots because I have uh, Don Juan with me. And I love this shit because if there's one thing you can say about Diego Luna, I think that he's great at showing when he's absolutely, like, ready to shit his pants. And I know that's very crude yeah. to say, but I feel like in that scene, you could just see it so much from him. So they all sit down, and Don Juan doesn't end up showing up, and Pacho pretty much reveals that he instead made a deal with Don Juan. So any leverage that Felix thought that he had went completely out the window. And in order to save himself, he ended up making this outrageous deal with Pacho to move like a shit ton more cocaine that pretty much seemed impossible and certainly set up for a lot down the line. But um, what did you think about that scene? Because I don't know, to me, it was one of my favorites because I was not rooting for Felix at all. So seeing him kind of just get slapped in the face by Pacho, who um, I forget the actor's name, but he does such a good job of being so smug. Oh, yes. Please help me out. (laughs) Jose. Wait, which character again? Pacho, the guy from the Kali cartel. Not Amado, Pacho. Pacho. Oh, I liked Pacho. He was was dating... um... Ah, hold on, 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 because I like Pacho. Oh no, 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 no! Pacho was in the this this second season of Narcos. Yeah, that I wasn't that Alberto Alman. Yeah, Alberto is is his name though. But um, Alberto is so good at like acting smug. Yeah, he's so good at acting smug. So in that scene when he's pretty much being all coy with Felix and he's saying, oh, yeah, um, I made a deal with one of your countrymen. He looks like Al, Al, Al Capone, you know. Do you know him? And it was just so great. So, I mean, what were your thoughts on that scene? Because to me it stood out. It was one of my favorites. No, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I, I think the thing that made me the the saddest was knowing how uh, Pacho's story was going to end <laughs> Uh, so it was like, <laughs> as much as you enjoyed it, you're kind of like, damn, Pacho, I know it's not going to end great for you, man. <laughs> like, you're all smug now, but you're going to die really badly. <laughs> um, 
But um, but no, I mean, I I, I loved it. I, I loved. It. I am curious to to hear your opinion on. I told Joel I view the I view Narcos Mexico as a prequel. Um, and Joel said he views it as Narcos and Narcos Mexico are existing somewhat simultaneously. Um, and I'm kind of like, no, it's it's kind of like a prequel. The reason why I think he views it as simultaneously is because Escobar is in Narcos Mexico, um, and he obviously has not necessarily risen to the elite power that he was in, that we saw him in in Narcos Season 1. And I'm like, well, you're not necessarily wrong, but it's a prequel in the sense of they mentioned Kiki in Season 1 of Narcos. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, Narcos Mexico Season 1 is a prequel to Narcos uh, season one, because it was the whole idea of we're taking this shit a lot seriously now because these 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 assholes killed one of ours. So that's why everyone is like, this is serious now. This isn't just taking drugs off of the streets. This is we're dealing with the wild wild west. These guys don't mind taking one of ours, torturing and killing them. Um, it was the whole testament of, uh, well, not the whole testament, but it was it was big. Um, the ideology of season one of the first Narcos. I think Narcos season two is where you would say it almost was simultaneous to what was happening in Narcos Mexico season uh, one, I think you would say. Season one or season two. Um, Like, it literally could have been season two of Narcos Mexico could have went right before season two of just Narcos, and then it flows right into each other. Um, but I just, I still view it all as just one big fool, but I'm curious to you though, like how, how do you see it? I see Narcos Mexico season one up to like halfway in season two as a prequel, because as you just mentioned in probably the second episode of Narcos is when Javier says to Murphy, oh, don't worry, you're okay because of what happened to Kiki. So not only is Kiki dead at this point, but Operation Leenda has happened at this point. But when when season two ends, it's in 1989. And at that point, all that shit was happening with Pablo because I believe uh, season two of Narcos was like something, uh, I think, 1989 to say 1993 because that's when Pablo was killed. So... I see it as uh, season one of Mexico up to like halfway in season two is when that becomes a prequel. And then after that, like the second half becomes uh, running simultaneously. I do have to say, John, if you get sad about what happened to Pacho, you should read what happens to the character Amado. Because that's not hilarious. I shouldn't say that. I don't know why I say it's hilarious. It's just like, the craziest death ever, and this isn't really a spoiler because it happened in real life. You can look it up. But the, you know, uh, Mato, the one who flies the plane. Um, yeah. In real, in real life, he died um, undergoing facial plastic surgery to change his look to escape the police. Oh, so that happens yeah, to that guy serendipity. eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's serendipity. Uh, well, you would assume that's what they would get into in the next season. And I'm like, I mean, if you're Netflix, I kind of feel like this 
this is tricky because usually I would feel like there's only so much you could do with a show like this. Um, but then you kind of look at it and you kind of go, they introduced so many more characters in this one season that you're kind of now like, they maybe could do like four more seasons. Like, I mean, um, I, just again, like you said at the top of the show, spoiler alert, if I'm not mistaken, um, they introduced, uh, what you call it? Um, uh, always escapes prison. Oh man, I can't El think Chapo. of his name. Yes, El Chapo. And I'm like, oh shit, I want a season about El Chapo now. Like, I love El Chapo. I'd love to hear more about El Chapo. Um, oh, so I, I'm like, I would too. <laughs> guys. Yeah, right, right. I, El Chapo is like so interesting. He was like, they could go in a million different routes because, um, and we'll get to the end scene later uh, and what that sets up. But there are so many interesting characters. Like to me. I love Amato, um, and I loved that one scene that we were just talking about because you see the setup of the relationship between Amato and Pacho. Because in season three of Narcos, I don't know if you watched season three, but in season three of Narcos is when they're tracking down the Kali cartel, and that is when um, Amato is first introduced, and he has a business-slash-friendship with Pacho. So he, there's so much you can do there, but El Chapo is great. Like he's one of the like biggest drug lords. They just arrested him like a few months ago. As you said, he was constantly escaping prison, but he was just okay to me. I thought he was hilarious in season two. Like there's this one scene where he's uh, helping his mother make, I think they were like tortillas or something, and his mom is like you know, oh, you always protect all these people, but who protects you? And he's like, well, my friend Koshi. And she's like, who else? And he's like, you. And she's like, the Lord. And he's like, yeah, I was going to say that next. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this this show, like, you'd think it's as simple as, like, oh, they're drug dealers. It has heart. It has grit. It has humor. It has everything you'd expect it to have. And I, I would even say, I would love to, uh, I don't think this show would ever do it. I would love for this show to take it back to the States because I would love a series about, um, like, Frank Lucas. I don't know if you've ever seen American Gangster. I'd say Denzel's greatest movie he's ever done. Russell Crowe's greatest movie he's ever done um, because of their ranges in that. But... um Cocaine, that that whole American Gangster movie was about the popular, uh, you know, about popularizing cocaine in America. So I'm like, all right, like, cocaine is very heavy uh, in Narcos. What happens once, like, it's not effective there and it becomes effective here? Like, would that be a spinoff series that they go into about the effects of it coming here? Because I tell you, we know there's like at least a billion different drug lords here that they could cover once they run out of guys doing the Narcos show. I'm like, you could spin off and do an American version and just dig right into the the heart of of you know it becoming a problem here. Um, so yeah, I mean, season two, like like you said, you know, introducing El Chapo and stuff like that. They they've layered themselves to where it's like. Um, it's 
season three, season four, season five, like however many you guys want. Like we've we've you know laid the groundwork that we can go to work anytime you guys want us to. So I mean that's how great this this season was. I think that they could go so many places. I think that Narcos definitely should focus a little bit more on El Chapo, not only because the actor himself was so great in that role and brought so much. Like, that was such a great thing because season one, we, like, barely saw him. He was so much uh, in the background. Season two, they really brought him out to the forefront. But as I said, they just arrested the real El Chapo, like, a few months ago. So that could come, yeah. like, right that could come right to modern day. You could, as I said, I don't know why, I just really loved the character Amato. There was so much to him that you could go into that because, and then, so you have all these different cartel members, but they could do anything, John, as you said. They could bring it to the state. Um, you could even go even more international. I just watched a movie the other day about a 1970s uh freaking South Korean narco. You could do that even if you wanted to. There's so many uh, possibilities there. I'll keep watching them as long as I keep making them, but um, I really would... What I would really like is to see if they do say a third season, which I really hope they do, is a little bit more of an integration, um, because we got Pacho from the original Narcos, but for some, I just love seeing Pablo, and I know his story is done, but I'd love to see that because um, there is on Netflix a literally a show called El Chapo, and it's like more of a reenactment type show than anything else, but they show at some point El Chapo literally goes to Pablo Escobar and says, like, let me be the transporter for you because Amato isn't doing his job correctly. Um, And Felix now is in jail, so there's no one there. Let me do this. And that would be really interesting to see El Chapo want to take more of this major step forward into becoming the boss that we all know him as. Yeah, and I mean, I I, I assume we're going to get to it to to close out, but I thought it was very important what Felix was saying um, to Walt uh, on the the last episode, um, how he was kind of telling him, like, look, um, you thought it was bad when I was running it. You now have it to where there is no one person controlling all of these different, uh, you know, um, different, different families. They're just going, like, you know, you take here, you take there, you take there. Um, and we never really have. Oh, I uh, think we've lost Juwan, so we will wait for him to go back, but uh, or come back. But I believe what Juwan was kind of saying here, and it's really prevalent, the final scene between Walt and Felix in the second season of Narcos Mexico where they're talking to each other and Felix is saying to Walt that he's going to miss him when he's gone. And obviously we saw kind of what has happened in real life 
with all of the plaza bosses branching off into their own individual cartels. Um, and Juwan is back, so I kind of was just picking up where you were leaving off I'm, with uh, with Felix and, and Wall. <laughs> I am so sorry. I was sitting here just talking and talking, and I asked you something, and I'm like, Tia? And I looked down. I'm like, what the hell? I hung up by accident. Um, but, no, I was saying it was just – it was so important um, – what Felix said because it was true. It was like, you know, we always hear the term, you'd rather deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't. Um, So, I mean, that was never more uh, true than this moment. Like, you know, you guys thought it was horrible dealing with me. Well, what do you think it's going to be when there is no faith? Like, you don't have one person you can key in on. There's families that are acting as as one. Um, But there is no head of it. Like, there's no head of the snake. There's just a bunch of snakes. <laughs> so it's like, what are you going to do now that you can't hone in on one particular person? Like, sure, you stop one guy, there's like four more other, other people that are, that are running things. Someone else will just step in and, and kind of run things. Um, but what I was saying before I stupidly hung up on myself was what happens when one family decides they want more power? or they don't like how you're running things, or they don't, you know, or they think you're skimming money, or you're you're doing this, or you're doing that, and a war breaks, and it's now a war of the four families. I mean, there was, if there was one important scene in all of this season two, it was when they faded out all of the different sides staring each other down, kind of like, yeah, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh, kind of giving them, you know, giving each other the look like, yeah, you just wait. That was so important to me because it's like it's letting you know this is temporary. It will explode at some point. Um, and I kind of feel like Felix, cause to me, you don't, you don't just go, all right, well, Felix is in jail. No. If Walt comes back for, for season three, excuse me, which, I mean, he's fucking better. Um, but, it, you know, <laughs> even if he doesn't, uh, you assume – whoever takes Walt's place is going to go back to that prison to talk to Felix and see how, like, help us rein this in. Like, if you, if you had to guess, who would you think is the face of this? You know, like, you're going to need his help reining all this in because you don't know who to go for. Like, who, who do you go for now? It was easy when it was El Chapo. I mean, not El Chapo, I'm sorry. It was easy when it was Pablo Escobar because it was Pablo Escobar. It was easy when it was Felix because it was Felix. Um, you need a face. And I think now the way that they're running it, so they avoid the DEA being able to hone in on one person. And once that one person's gone, it shuts everything down. This way, we can keep going. One person goes, we replace them. And we just keep going and going and going. Yeah, and that scene was fantastic because I think in that sense, it truly showed how intelligent, Felix is because he, and obviously they're writing this show, so it's in modern day. We obviously saw what happened, but in the context of the show, Felix is able to predict everything that is going to happen. And in real life, um, the, the feud doesn't stop with, say, El Chapo and Dehamin and Ramon. You know how we already saw a little bit of their feud. And then they go, oh, well, we're okay now, right? Shake hands. But in real life, they are continuously trying to kill each other. Um, I'm telling you, like, 
that one show, El Chapo, on Netflix. I mean, there was like a massive shootout not too long after that at an airport between El Chapo and the uh, the two brothers, where like a very well known cardinal was killed in the crossfire. So I mean, there's that feud continues on, and that's so interesting uh, where that you know, where it leads to. I will say that um, there was, like, say, an interview, and I think that the executive producer pretty much said that, you know, Felix's story is closed. The book is closed on that. Um, But he did say that he would love to have Scoot McNary back, and there was a separate interview where Scoot McNary said he would love to be back, so I'm just saying, let's make this happen, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it's as simple as that. If you're Scoot, don't start filming anything so nothing gets in your way because nothing else is important, and you make sure you're <laughs> available to do season three. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. It's that simple. I, the executive producer should just tell him, like, hey, just don't do anything until you get our phone call saying that we're going to do a third season. That's how simple yeah. it is. But <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you brought up the end scene because it was so masterfully crafted seeing the two people that are, who were the heads of this season, finally able to like have this really intense conversation. That's something that we say never got with say Pablo Escobar and Steve Murphy or Javier Pena, but we got it with them. But that scene is all of it's the result of the scene that happened, say, halfway, I think, in that episode. And it's the scene where all of the plaza bosses leave the Federation. And I love that scene um, because we saw in season one, he brings everyone together and they're all under him. And then in season two, he brings them all together again to pretty much try to say what's what. But at this point, as you mentioned at the beginning of this show, at this point he has ordered the killing of uh, Hector Palma, his wife and children. And as you said, that's a line you don't cross. And we see, I'm assuming that we saw when everyone found out, like the one scene where El Chapo like hangs up and he looks so distraught. Amado gets the phone call. Like they all get the phone call. And I'm assuming that the phone call was like, Lupita and her kids were just killed. So why, Felix, would you think that that's okay? He's like, oh, they need to fear me. But then we see no one fears you, buddy. They're all leaving. And that was such a great scene, seeing every single one of them individually say, like, I'm out. And because of that scene, he had no protection. And we see that other guy, the uh, Calderoni, the Commandante, mm-hmm. who who was so crooked, he pissed me off so many times throughout the season. But he was finally able to arrest Felix. And even when Felix was like, oh, there's $5 million, you know, just go get it. And he's like, no, buddy, just get up. We're arresting you. You have no protection now. Um, what did you kind of think with all of that going on? Well, I mean, it's important to go back to his conversation with his wife ex-wife I don't she really looked like she was done with him but 
Um, that conversation oh, yeah. was very important because she was the one that was telling him, um, what, why would you do that? And then he was trying to explain to her, like, I need them to fear me. Um, and I mean, to be fair, he wasn't wrong. I did not feel like, uh, through the, you know, uh, kind of the closing out of, of season two, they really respected or feared him. I kind of felt like they were kind of like, yo, he's kind of soft. Like, you know, let's do what we want. And there's no better way to reestablish your control than saying, hey, I crossed lines to make it clear I'm in control. Um, only issue of that is once you lose your guys, you lose your guys. There's nothing you can do to get them back. The respect is gone. Um, and I don't think he really realized that. Um, but I think the point, uh, and again, I'm paraphrasing here. This isn't an exact quote. I think the point his wife was trying to make was, what if someone decided to make that point to you and did that to us? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, it wouldn't happen. And it's like, no, but you say that, but I'm pretty sure he said that to her. And then she was murdered along with their kids. And by the way, that's that's the worst way um, for someone to see that their wife and kids are, are dead. He threw them off of the bridge into the water. Oh, I didn't even know if he killed them before he did that. Um, you know, so it's like once you do that, there there is no coming back from that. Like there is no, all right, you guys like still love me now, right? Like, no, no, that's, that's, no. that's it. Um, but as you were saying, the scene with him getting arrested was important because I love the line. I actually, like, if this was a play, I would have stood up and started clapping. I loved it when, after he said where the money was, and he said, no, 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 this isn't that. And he kind of goes, oh, so, like, you're really arresting me. <laughs> it was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, this, this, this is over. Um, I just love that moment of clarity where he was like, this is it, man. This is it. I mean, he even said on the way out, give me my cigarette. <laughs> like no one grabbed them. <laughs> like no one picked them up. Like, oh man, you're not getting those smokes. Um, but but I well, loved it because that's very no, go ahead, go ahead. I I'm sorry. Just just like you loved that seat, that line, I loved back at when everyone's leaving the Federation and Amato is sitting there like left over talking to him and you know, Felix is like how long have you been planning to fuck me over? And Amado's like, I was just waiting for the right time. And he goes, you're out, man. And I love that. He goes, everyone else is saying, like, I'm out, I'm out. And he's like, you're out. He's like, you're the one who's screwed now. Uh, And he even starts saying, you can try to run, but they're going to catch up with you. Like, no, even this guy who, I want to say in season one, it seemed like Amado was quite loyal to him. But you essentially got his uncle thrown in jail. And they didn't really talk about it a whole lot, but I feel like that was something that Amato was harboring because, you know, his uncle was Don Neto. And I think that that was something that always carried, that Amato carried with him throughout the season. Like, I'm just waiting for the moment to kind of, like, screw you over and throw you under the bus because that's exactly what you did to my uncle. Um, and that, that was wrong. I don't think anyone would have cared that he did it to Rafa, but I think that certainly it matters that he did that to Don Neto, if that makes sense. No, it does. What, what was the name of the guy that uh, Mimi was with? 
Oh, uh, Pablo Acosta. Right. I think that also played a part in um, in Amado kind of just being done with Felix. Because wasn't um, Felix kind of responsible for the, the police coming down really hard on on uh, on him and Mimi? Found out yes. that he was obviously going to flip. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's certainly yes. responsible for that as well. Yes, I think that rubbed uh, Amato the wrong way, uh, more so than anything, because Amato made it very clear he loved him. Um, when he kept telling him, like, yo, what's wrong? Like, what's keeping you here? Let me know. I'll handle it so you can come back home. Um, and the fact that he stood there, was in that firefight with him, and, and was making sure that he was okay and everything like that, um, showed you how much he cared about him. Um, and I, I think the one moment, and it, it sounds crazy, but the one moment I actually got emotional was um, Walt telling him, like, look, man, Mimi told me not to tell you, but, like, she's pregnant. Like, you, you're going to be a father. Like, I'll stand in front of you. I'll shield you. Let's go. Like, come back. We'll get you immunity. We'll get you what you need. And I don't know what went through his head. I, I don't know if it was ego. I don't know if he didn't truly believe that he would he would, um, he would would make it. Um but he, you know, pushed Walt out of the way, which is very honorable because he very much could have used Walt mm-hmm. as like a human shield. Um, <laughs> pushed Walt out of the way and, and you know, embraced his death. Um, and it was just, it was really see Mimi go through it because Mimi was a writer. Um, and Mimi, Mimi kind of felt like we're close. We're close. You know, it just, you know, we're, we're on the home stretch. And he kind of just saw it the other way. He wanted to go out on the shield. Um, oh. I still don't understand why. Maybe you can explain that to me because I, I really don't get why he didn't just try to let Walt uh, help him out the best way he could. Um, but it was very emotional to see that scene. Very, very, very emotional. I have so many thoughts about that scene. I cried during that scene. Um, it showed you, as you said, so much of these two characters, right? Walt literally like why did Walt didn't need to do that? He literally like in the middle of the firefight was like I'm going in, I'm going in. Uh, here I am. Here's my signed piece of paper to prove to you that I literally went to someone and got you this deal. So you need to come with me. And he literally puts himself in front of this guy where easily he could have been shot and they could have just been like oh you know. Walt tried to shoot at us or something. They could have made something up. Walt could have easily lost his life in that moment and decided to instead risk it for Pablo. And I think that Pablo respected that a lot. And that's why he was like, get down, Walt. And Walt obviously knows what this asshole's going to do. He's like, stop it. Right. Uh, but, yeah, the, I, I got emotional, too. And he's like, listen, Mimi's pregnant. And I loved the relationship between Pablo Costa and Mimi. Um, fun fact before I go any further, because I'm that type of person, I have to look up everything. Uh, the real Mimi still is alive to this day, and she is doing horseback tours uh, between Texas and Mexico. So, hey, you can go and get a horseback tour with uh, the former lover of a drug lord. Um, she says that yeah, even I... though Pop... Go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, she, she had an interview where she said, although Pablo Acosta wasn't the best-looking man, he was very kind. <laughs> yeah, 
That's funny. I, 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 it's funny because as much as I would love to go out there, I, I couldn't mainly because I would only want to ask her about that time. And I know she probably is like, I, I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to ride horses, Mimi. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to get on this horse. I'm going to get on this horse and you're going to answer some questions, okay? Um, but no, I mean, uh, it, it is one of those things to where it's like, what I love about this series is, and, you know, every time I tell someone this, they're, they're always amazed. I'm like, I know nothing about any of these, these, uh, these real life people. Um, so hearing, oh, you know, they died this way, hearing, oh, they went to prison this way, um, it is always so shocking to me. Uh, the whole season, uh, you know, when Pablo Escobar died, and then they showed you the real footage of, like, him in the streets, his mom holding that little um, press conference and everything. I'm like, I didn't know any of that was real. So it, it's, it's great that this show gives you real footage, real photos, um, real video and stuff like that. So it, it, it adds more depth to it. So it's not just like, oh, this is a really cool show. You're like, oh, shit, like, this really happened to people. Like, Pablo Escobar really just shot up, like, a, a shopping plaza. Um, to prove a point, like this, this is real. It adds another well, layer that I really truly enjoy. I'll always say, um, really quick, in the first Narcos season, as someone who is completely ignorant to any of this as well, the scene where the kid, you know, is on the plane and presses the button and blows up the plane, you're like, oh, that's something that they t- so put in just for dramatic shock value. And it's like, no, no, that really happens in real life. And it's like, holy shit. Um, but going back to the Pablo Acosta scene, because you had asked me if I could make sense of it, um, I can't really, except for the fact that he said in the first season, I, I know my end, it's in the middle of a firefight. But I was telling mm-hmm. Brittany about this, and she was hilarious. Because she was like, he's so stupid. Like, you had the opportunity to have a immunity, have, like, witness protection, have this life with this woman who you clearly love, and you decide to throw all of that away. Like, do you think Pablo was stupid in that moment or just prideful or a little bit of both? Stupid. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't say... See, the thing the thing that I don't like is when guys do something like that, you go, ah, oh, he's just very prideful. To me, pride is a good thing. Like if, if you know, you're being screwed over at work, right, but, like, you need the job because it's, like, how you're able to take care of your family and, like, you speak up against something that, that's happening that's wrong, like, that, that to me is prideful. But that's, that's, like, the purest form of being prideful. Like, sure. Was it stupid because now you don't have a job, now you got to figure out how you're going to feed your family and everything? Yeah, but did you just stand up for something that literally no one else was going to, even if it didn't have the effect that you wanted it to? Just voicing it. Maybe someone else will be brave down the line to voice it the same. Like what he did isn't something I would want someone to see and go, yeah, no, I'm going to do the same thing. Like, no. So it's like saying prideful to me is like, no, that was just stupidity. Like you had an out. (laughs) Like, you had a legal out, sure. Could the, the cartel have hunted you down, killed you, me, me, and the kid sometime in the future? Possibly. But, I mean, they obviously had so many other things to worry about. I don't really think um, 
they would have cared because you were taking down Felix. I don't really think you were taking them down. Um, so once Felix was out of the way, he didn't have anything that was, you know, strong enough to take them down, and he was cool with Amato. So I'm sure Amato would have, you know, said, like, leave him alone. He he knows nothing. You know, he only knew enough to take Felix down. Let him go be happy. And we all hate thing. Felix. Right. We all hated Felix, so who cares? You know, so, like, I, he could have gotten an out. So that's why it was idiotic. Um, because there was an actual way out for you, and you legit just chose death over your family. Yeah, and I I agree because it's not like he didn't know about Mimi's pregnancy. He was literally just told about Mimi's pregnancy, so you had that in your mind as that was going on that now Mimi is a going to be a single parent, and as you said, like he had this great support system around him. That one final scene where Amato is talking to him and he's just like, let me protect you. Why are you being so stubborn right now? And Pablo's just kind of still watching TV and he's like, leave. Go shut the door behind you. And then he has this town that obviously loves him. And then we see his death and obviously everyone loves him. And it's like, dude, you had so many people rooting for you. Why did you decide to throw it all away? But it reminds me how in the original Narcos, when Pablo's cousin Gustavo gets captured by uh, Colonel Carrillo, and he's like, I'm a bandit, Mm. I'm going to die like this. And I think that's just where Pablo Acosta was. I I don't say that it was right, because he had so many opportunities to get out of it, but I think that's just where his mindset was. I think it's also important that Mimi stressed the wall. The reason... Uh, so anyone listening, in case they missed it, she was saying the reason why she didn't want to tell him is because if he wanted out of this, it had to be something he wanted to do. So I think in that moment, I think it was just him being who he was, which was a stubborn individual who was going to do things the way that he wanted to do things. And he died the way that he lived, which is being stubborn and stupid. Um, so, I mean, it was one of those things to where it was like, it, it was the purest form of him. And it was exactly what Mimi was trying to tell Walt, why she didn't want him to know. Because she didn't want him to live a life um, of regret. I mean, we've seen that in so many movies, Tia. As many movies as me and you see, we see that all the time. Uh, where, you know, the female character is saying, I don't want him to live a life of regret, like, oh, I had to stop doing this because of, of her or, 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 you know, because we had a kid on the way or whatever. So they're like, you know, cause then all you do is build resentment and then now you hate me, you know? Um, yeah. So she was just kind of saying along the lines of that, like, no, he, you know, I want him to want to do this because it's just the right thing to do. And if he can't come to that conclusion on his own, then, you know, he, he has to do what he has to do. And that's how strong Mimi was. Like, that's not easy to do. That's not easy to see uh, someone you love willingly being stupid and you seeing it and just going, well, I got to let him do what he, what he wants to do. Like, that, that's not easy. No, not at all. Um, and I love Mimi, absolutely. Uh, the daughter of Kevin Bacon, Sosie Bacon. But, um, I want to move on really quick because I want to highlight a scene that we briefly talked about. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because it felt like 
not only say season two was about getting revenge for Kiki, but then season two at some point after that meeting with Pacho became transporting this huge amount of drugs that, uh, you know, Felix agreed to. And so we see Walt and his team, they're getting information. They find out that uh, Amado is buying up all these planes. They find out that they're going to be transporting all this cocaine. And you think, right, that freaking the DEA is finally going to have a win here, that they're going to be taking down and it's going to be bad and all of that. And they get there and they're all done ho. And for me, as soon as one of the guys picked up one of the cocaine bundles and he's like, this is heavy. And you knew something was like up with that. Like, why is he complaining about how heavy it is? And as soon as he's like, this isn't cocaine and they get ambushed. Um, and I, he like loses everyone in that moment. Walt. it's like just him and his friend Sal that get out of it. But like, everyone else gets annihilated. My, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, my heart was racing, and I really thought Walt was going to die in that moment. I had to accept it. I was like, all right, here's another role that Scoot McNary dies in, so there's no possibility of him coming back, and I'm just going to have to deal with he's going to die in this moment. But um, that scene was so intense to me. Um, there felt like there was so much on the line there. And then as that I believe what's happening simultaneously is when Felix is helping rigging the election, which apparently was like this huge big deal in Mexico. Um, so that whole thing was just insane to me. Did you kind of have a feeling from the get-go that that mission was not going to go well for Walt, or did you kind of like hope that they would have been able to seize all of that? No, I knew it wasn't going to work out when he um, he went back to the the hideout and the cop was there and Walt said, how, how did you know I was here? Like, how, how did you know about this place? And he was like, oh, someone told me. He's like, no, 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 no. He wouldn't have told you. How do you know? Are you following me again? From that moment, it kind of just felt like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. Like, I, I don't know how much trust I have in him. And then we see him shoot one of, uh, Walt Walt guys. Um, so, I mean, obviously, he, he doesn't mind putting his interests before anyone else's. Um, and, and I think Walt always knew that, but Walt thought he was a means to an end. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't work out the way that, that Walt wanted it to. It worked out in the worst possible way. Um, but to me, what's <laughs> more important out for is what Felix. you say. Yeah, Felix is the only person it worked out for um, but the more important thing about what you said is the election. And what was very important to me about what they said in that whole sequence of what was happening uh, of that election was um, was important because it happens to this day. And it happened in the election, uh, in our last election. And what I mean by that was they were saying how they were, they were you know, uh, they were making it so people who didn't vote thought, oh, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to vote now because, like, clearly he's going to win, you know. So, like, that's at least, what, 50 to 100 people, uh, you could say maybe per state that are saying, um, you know, or per city or, or whatever that are saying, well, I'm not going to vote because, you know, they're, they're showing me right here he's about to win. 
little do they know, no, that's not the case. Like, go vote. <laughs> go vote. And I think so many of us were saying, there's no way a guy is going from NBC to the White House. And I think we let too much of, he's not going to win. Um, and then people were just like, I don't need to vote. There's no way this guy's going to win. And then, no, it happened. Um, but it's very important that we pay attention to that because it happens in your local elections. It happens in your global elections um, to where you feel suppressed. You kind of feel like you're not being heard. So people might even feel like, I, I'm not going to vote. And it's like, no, that is very important. Um, that is the highest form of you getting yourself heard is voting. Um, whether or not they do it the right way, that's a different story to be had. Um, but that was very important to me, that whole sequence, um, them getting caught, him shutting everything down, and then going, I don't know what the fuck just happened. <laughs> and it's like, you know what happened. <laughs> you did it. It's like, I, I don't know anything. Well, <laughs> like, I, I, I hate I that, that guy. <laughs> I hate that guy I so badly. So... He went downstairs. Oh. I loved it Sorry, so much. He shut... No, no, no. He shut everything down. He's like, oh, technical difficulties. He's like, bullshit, man. He's like, no, no, no. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. Um, I, I, I love that. But it ju- it just shows you how important, um, uh, how, how cutthroat uh, the political world is. Um, from every avenue. It's not just an American thing. It's every avenue. I think it happened, it, it, it was worse off there because you, you had very little information. I think now we have all the information. I just think we have a lot of people that just don't care. There it was, well, we don't have the information. We're seeing that he won, so I don't need to vote because he won. Um, so, I mean, it was just, that was very crucial. I was so happy that they implemented it in there. Um you know, because it was not, it was a not, it was knowledgeable for me, um, but that, I thought that was a bigger issue than the uh, the air, not the air raid, but uh, what Walton those guys are going through. It, it, even though as crazy as that was, I thought that whole political uh, sequence was possibly some of the more important uh, scenes of the entire season. I feel like that one guy and. If you look at it, obviously with the subtitles on, it said Mr. X. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, but a few times in the season, they bleeped out the guy's name. So clearly, like, it's, it's so intense that they can't even say it on the show. Um, but that guy, like, I feel like he blew himself up because he kept going over to the tech dude and he's like, hey, show me the numbers. Hey, do this. And I'm like, if I were in that room, I would find it suspicious why you, uh, a member of the opposition party, are hovering over the tech guy who's responsible for showing the numbers. I'm like, maybe if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have blew your spot up. Yeah. No, very good point. Very, very, very good yeah. point. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, how, that's how important that was. Yeah. And as you said, this is something that we saw in our election. Um, and this season did its due diligence to say, like, hey, we're not just putting this on, say, the Mexican government. This is something that we do. Um, and I know that I'm, like, ping-ponging back and forth here, but it's the same thing, like, in the beginning of the series where Walt explains that, well, who showed them how to torture? We did. We did. We yeah. showed them how to torture. Yeah. We 
we've been transporting guns to different countries. Like, this is stuff that we do. It is not all on these other governments. We fucked up, too, and continue fucking up. So, as you said, that um, election scene was very poignant to show um, and showed how, like, as I, I keep saying, that Diego Luna really was able to really show panic uh, in his character, because I felt the panic for him when it was like everything is going to mess up, everything is going to be ruined, um, and you could feel that in that moment. That was a very intense uh, scene. No, I, I'm completely with you. That's why I love that more than more than anything, really, because how important that was socially. Yeah, it was incredibly important uh, socially. Just. It's amazing, like, how much the government at the time was influenced by Felix, but as Felix had said, say, earlier in the season, if he took his money out of the banks, he'd essentially bankrupt the freaking country. Yeah. Yep. Um, But um, whatchamacallit, what was I going to say? Uh... I just was looking at whatever you were sending me, but apparently my computer wants to be super slow. Um, but what should I call it? <laughs> uh, before we kind of go into, like, say, our final thoughts for the season and everything, I wanted to talk really quickly about one final scene towards the end. That was one of my favorite, and it's such a small scene. Um, but it was Hector Palma getting revenge on... Felix's guy for killing his uh, his family. And just to let you know, going back to that, um, the guy shot the wife in the head, but I don't know if he shot the kids before he threw them off the bridge. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he did. I mean, I, I think what it was trying to showcase us was he just threw them off the bridge. Oof, that was so bad. But how did you feel about that final scene when – Hector and El Chapo were walking into the shoe store because I had to watch that scene a few times and Polly kind of like laughed at me because I thought that that girl was literally just buying shoes and then she decided to steal the shoes herself. And Polly's like, no, she was the distraction. I'm like, oh, I was like, I just thought she just wanted some shoes. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I will tell you, like, usually. Usually Hollywood has like those tropes that you kind of just like, all right, well, that that's not all men. But no, there's never a time where a woman is not a perfect distraction for a guy. There will never be a time in American history that will not work. So I'm like, no, no, no. That that's what I thought when I first saw it. I'm like, yeah, no, that was that, that was the setup. That was 100% the setup. Um, that's actually how a lot of these guys set you up. Um, you know, you know, most of these guys that love control, that love power, women go right with it. Um, it's one of their, you know, their, their loves because they think they can control it. So what better way to use you than one of your, um, one of your things that you're addicted to? Uh, so I, I completely thought that when I first saw it, but when I saw that scene, I'm kind of like, yeah, man, you had to know this was coming. I was more so shocked that they uh, not that they killed him in public, because if one thing I've learned about narcos is that uh, nothing happens in shadows. They do not mind kidnapping, murdering, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. right in broad daylight. 
right in broad daylight. They don't mind it. Um, and, like, no one ever says anything. Like, when Walt and them had that shootout in episode one when they kidnapped a the guy, I'm like, literally no one opened their window and was like, I'm going to call the cops. Like, there's a lot of shots <laughs> happening. Like, it was just like, no, no, this this is every day, man. No, this is every day. Um, but, yeah, I was shocked that they uh, they killed him so merciful, uh, mercifully. Mercifully? Mercifully. Um, I thought he would have wanted to maybe drag it out, torture him a little bit. You know, uh, I, I was like, oh, bat to the head? Oh, that's better than I would have. I mean, threw my kids off a bridge? Nah. <laughs> more more <laughs> has to come to that. Like, it, it can't just be a simple bat to the head. I'm sorry. Uh, it can't be that simple. Cool. Um, I, that So that's what I took from it. I was just shocked. It, it was that simple. They were just like, nope, bat to the head. I feel good. I feel better. I was watching this with Paulie, and he was pointing out how does that guy just stand still and let it happen. I'm like, well, what was he going to do? Try to run? They all have guns. Oh, no. They would have no, run. No, 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 no. I think if you ran, it would have been it would have been worse. It would have been worse if you ran. Um, he knew it was just uh, what was he going to do at that point? I mean, even if he had a gun, I'm going to die. <laughs> Pretty much was was his mindset. Whether I die standing here, whether I die running, dying is on the menu tonight. Like, there is no substitute. There is no, there's nothing else. Um, So I think he kind of was, here's the thing. In that world, you have to be okay with the idea that, no, I'm probably going to die. Like, I'm going to die. So when it comes, you're kind of just like, shit, all right. Thought thought it'd be later, but, you know, it's now. So, all right, let's do it. Uh, I think that's pretty much the the mindset of them all. It's not like he has Felix's protection anymore. Um, Felix is gone, and he killed his wife and kids. I mean, shit. That, to me, I was just like, oh, thank God this guy got revenge, because that was foul. I mean, like, that would have been wrong altogether, but you were sleeping with the woman, and you just take her out and shoot her in the friggin' head and kill the kids. I was like, that's just that's just wrong to me, but um, I will say I knew, uh, what what shocked me. What shocked me was because I obviously had missed something. So when he did it, I thought because I kept saying to her, "I'm like when he pulled over on the bridge, I'm like, um, all right, this is weird." And then when they got out, and she's like, "I can't do this anymore," I'm like, "Oh no, you're saying it's so close to where he could throw you off of a bridge." <laughs> and I'm like, "I, I thought he killed her." Yeah, I'm like, oh, this just doesn't feel right. But I thought he killed her because she was like, nah, we can't sleep together anymore. It wasn't until um, Felix was talking to his wife. I was like, oh, shit, Felix set this up. Like, oh, damn. I'm like, damn, Felix, that's grimy, man. That is really grimy. Um, So I was completely left out of the loop. Like, I was like, I missed something. Um, but yeah, no, that was, he, he got it better than he deserved. Cause I definitely thought some torture was coming. I mean, he would have definitely deserved it for doing what he did. Um, but I, I thought it was pretty gruesome. They showed it and everything. And I'm a big weenie when it comes to stuff like, Oh God, why do I got to see this? His brains are everywhere. But it, it's funny what you said. They literally do it in public, but who cares? I mean, in season one, Rafa, like, killed that poor American journalist in the middle of this freaking restaurant. I was so good yeah. but um, So, Juwan, as we have gone through season two, we've talked a lot of different things. Um, 
And I could probably talk on for days and days and days and days and days. That's just who I am. But um, looking back on this season, I just have a few questions. Who would you say was your favorite character? (laughs) (laughs) Walt. Yeah, Walt 100%. I have to agree 100%. I mean, I was super excited uh, from the get-go, which is so funny. I have to tell you this. When the first season of Narcos Mexico came out, which was in 2018, and I was watching it back then, but at that point, Scoot McNary was not on my radar. I had watched things with him in it, just not realizing it. And so when he's doing the narration, and it's obviously not Michael Pena, I looked up, and they were like, oh, this is who he is. I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is. Who is he? Then, obviously, I got more into this actor and seeing how absolutely fantastic he was. But I was excited from the get-go. From, like, the very end of Narcos Mexico season one, I was like, oh, Walt's coming in, and it's going to be great. And I thought he did a phenomenal job in season two. His character was so compelling. I feel like probably one of the best fleshed out main characters in the whole Narcos franchise. And I was a huge fan of Boyd Holbrook, uh, Steve Murphy, and uh, Pedro Pascal, Javier Pena. But I think Walt was mm-hmm. really fleshed out well. Um, and I would love to see more of him and where he goes. Um, just because I feel like my man needs a little bit of a break. <laughs> he needs a little bit of like some happiness in his life. I don't know if he's ever going to get it, but uh, hopefully he does. But also, I would say, like, secondary characters is probably, as I said, Amato and El Chapo. El Chapo was great. Like, I I can't lie and say that I didn't love him completely. Oh, and did you see, by the way, Juwan, there was that little scene of our man, Matt Lesher, at the end of season two. Yeah, nice little end credit scene. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I did check that out. I was that lets you know. That. I think that lets you know a hundred percent that um, they have. Well, they're hoping Walt comes back because I believe that'll be the new. That'll be the new team. It, it'll be uh, Matt Lesher's character, Walt, and then whatever team that they uh, that they assemble. Yeah, and I was going to ask where. First of all, where do you think they would go with season three, and what would you like to see in season three? Well, I mean, <laughs> you kind of uh, stomped on my heart with it, but I would definitely love to see more Felix, even from behind bars. Because um, I just feel like there's there's still some, like he could be that guy kind of like, you know, egging you on, like, you know, I'll help you, but here's my conditions and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I get it. I get what you said completely. I get it. His chapter's done. It, it, it's It's over. He probably dies in prison or gets murdered or whatever. Um, I want to see them take on these families. Uh, I want to see once they figure out, because now that Walt has this information, who the hell does he take it to? You know? Because, I mean, you can't just say, hey, it's these four families. we got to stop them. Well, what are they doing? Well, I think they're going to start selling drugs. Like, what, what do you say? So, I mean, I'm just more interested in seeing, is there a face that we'll see come out of this that will be the face of, of next season? Will it be El Chapo? Um, you know, like there's just so many ways you can go. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm just excited for whatever they do end up doing. 
Yeah, I certainly hope that it does get renewed for a third season. I'll let you know that the real Felix is still alive today. Still in prison, but still alive. So Wow. Um, I, yes, some of them are. Uh, Don Neto is still alive. Um, and Rafa apparently is in the wind. So who, who knows where he is? But uh, I think more so what I was reading that the executive producer of Narcos Mexico was saying that Diego Luna is going to be filming the Disney Plus show, the Cassian show. And I think that he was thinking that probably that would interfere in any sort of filming that they would do, say, for season three. Um, so I think it was I more so on that. But I, I love your ideas there. Like, even if we see him once, where Walt is kind of in the middle of an investigation, he doesn't know where to go, he just doesn't have the resources that he had, and going to him and he's like, all right, you know, talk to me. Because I believe for a little while, at least, that Felix was still trying to operate a business while in prison. So it certainly could pop up there. For season three for myself, um, I would definitely like to see it focus on El Chapo. Um, We saw that I think that this character can be brought a little more to the forefront and can hold his own. There's so many interesting uh, things there, especially kind of like, I hate to say this, but like humanizing him a little, uh, like with his mother and everything. I think that we could see that and that would be an interesting concept seeing the feud between him and the uh, Behemine and Ramon, I think would be really great to kind of see that come to fruition. And of course, I'm going to be selfish here, and I would love to see El Chapo actually go to Pablo Escobar, um, just because I love Wagner Mora's portrayal of Pablo. But yeah, please, like, throw Walt back in there. I don't care how you need to spin the uh, the the story. I would love to see that. And I'm just going to be like a little selfish here and the little like a uh, former fan fiction writer in me is going to want that they like bring back Boyd Holbrook or Pedro Pascal just for like a scene where like the three of them are just kind of trading notes like, oh, maybe we should work together because literally the Colombian drug traffickers are moving through the Mexican drug traffickers. Like, there you know, needs to be more of... Go ahead. No, no, no I was just going to say, you know, it's for Joel yesterday when we were waiting in the, uh, in, in the drive-thru. I was saying I would kind of love it if they built, like, a, a hero's universe uh, for Narcos. <laughs> like, where Pedro... Uh, Pedro's character, Walt, uh, Matt Lesher's character, like they're working together, um, you know, but, you know, when you see Pedro Pascal's character, he doesn't give any inclination that he's worked on anything besides those two high-profile cases um, that he worked on. But, I mean, it also doesn't mean that he didn't. I mean, he doesn't – he wouldn't really need to talk about it, really, but um, I'd freaking love that. To, and, like, hearing you say that gets me even more excited <laughs> Uh, because I'm like I'm not the only one that wants this hero's verse <laughs> for Narcos. I, because because as you said, it's so much of a villain's universe, which is great, but we never see really the heroes working together. And I would love that, like just seeing them all. Because to me, it makes sense. 
you have literally the Colombians working through the Mexicans just build up your resources. And they could do it because, as we just said, Walt is a made-up character, and season three of Narcos was completely fabricated. Not, say, the Cali cartel, but the real Javier, Javier Pena was never involved in taking down the Cali cartel. Again, I did a lot of research. The real Steve Murphy and the real Javier Pena packed up their bags as soon as Pablo Escobar was dead and went right back to America. So having uh, Pedro in the third season take down the Cali cartel was completely made up. So you did that, you can do this. So that's just how I feel about it. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you. I love it. Our little hero, heroes first. They uh, they just need to hire us as their writers, and they, they do really good. I'm just telling you. Uh, but, Juwan, before we kind of wrap everything up, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, anything else that you wanted to point out? Or do you feel like we just did, like, an awesome job with this? No, I think we freaking killed it, Tia. Um, I don't <laughs> think there's really anything else we need to break down. I'm trying to think, was there anything else that really stood out to me at all? Um, I can't really think of anything, and I hate it because I know I'm going to hang up and text you, like, immediately, like, damn it, Tia, I thought of this. Um, but, no, uh, you know, trying trying to think, I, I can't think of anything really um, we did a great job breaking this down. I think we got people that saw it um, excited. We got people that didn't see it. Maybe hopefully we'll go and see it. Um, I do know this, Tia. Maybe I might team up with you again to do Altered Carbon Season 2. I've been liking what I've been seeing so far. Yeah, and that's the thing is that I only just started the season. I really didn't have time before this podcast to kind of watch it, but I am Super pumped about that. That's, thank God some of my favorite Netflix shows have been coming back because it was getting really boring for me for a while. Ever since, I, I'm telling you, ever since they canceled all of the Marvel shows, my TV viewing pleasures have, have gone down tremendously. So with Narcos Mexico coming back and Alter Carbon now back, I'm super happy and I hope that we do get to come back and do an Altered Carbon Season 2 review. But, uh, Juwan, what would you like to plug for everyone? I know that you and Joelle just did another Facebook Live, uh, Much to Do About Nothing. Did I get that correct? Yes, you did. Make sure you guys follow us on Facebook um, and check out our all-new episode of Much to Do About Nothing. We had a very fun episode. We went super long. People were listening, then people weren't listening. So, you know, uh, you just got to love what you do. But uh, make sure you guys go check that out. We had a lot of fun. We covered a lot of different stuff. Um, and, you know, make sure you guys stay tuned for Geek Vibes Live in Top 10. Absolutely. And you can find all of that at geekvibesnation.com as well as our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're now on YouTube. We have everything that you pretty much need, whether it is reviews, opinion pieces, or just kind of silliness because that's what we are. We are a plethora of just geekiness. So make sure you tune in and let us know what your favorite moments from Narcos Mexico Season 2 were. Have a great day. Bye. Peace.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. 